This is the good, the bad and the downright ugly show with John Milner of Collaborative Consulting where we lift the curtain on all things investing. This is episode number two, investment tips on and off the green. Okay, today I want to discuss a few more mistakes that people make when investing. The first one is following so-called hot tips from newsletter marketing. These things these days are usually distributed via email throughout the world and certainly here in New Zealand. I've been watching a few of them over the years. But one in particular which I've been receiving and reading has really hacked me off this week and I want to discuss this. The author was frothing victoriously, frothing at the mouth about the returns achieved by a portfolio they had put together of just a few equities. They had blanked out the identity of the holdings to, I guess, protect their IP. So this whole thing was really a teaser with the marketing. And uh, with this, with these newsletters, they are usually littered with market timing calls and stock picking. So I suspect that's what this is all about. And those two items, market timing and stock picking, is something that we certainly want to discuss in the coming episodes. Now, there were nine holdings illustrated of which seven provided a positive return ranging from 1.9% to 24.3% and losses ranging from minus 1% to 3.4%. Now the question I immediately ask here is, where is the diversification? Come on guys, nine holdings? You've got to be kidding me. And the real kicker being that this momentous victory was only over a period of four months. Yes, four months, and failed to illustrate a corresponding benchmark to gauge whether that was actually good, bad, or ugly. Who would know? No benchmark in a four-month period. That means absolutely nothing. As you may appreciate, global and local markets are actually at historical highs, but four months is certainly nothing to crow about. To get a realistic picture of success, we would normally want to see a couple of decades or more. Uh, How else can you gauge uh, success? However, getting back to the concept of newsletters and to take a quote from Malcolm Forbes of the Forbes magazine, the only way to make money with a newsletter is by selling one. Now to back this up, John Graham and Campbell Harvey of the University of Utah conducted a study into the ability of newsletters in 1994. They examined 15,000 marking calls from 237 newsletters over 13 years. So this is this is no four month stuff, baby. This is this is a this is a real McCoy study. The outcome was pretty convincing. 75% of newsletters produced negative abnormal returns. That means that by following the advice given by most of the newsletters created a negative return. Had the study included fees, transaction costs and taxes, the underperformance would have been even worse. Now Graham and Harvey also took a look at whether winners kept winning because 25% of those newsletters had in fact produced a positive return. The conclusion being a resounding no. In other words, a good year is no promise of a win in future years. So following newsletter tips in my view is a huge mistake. They are merely marketing tools to either enhance someone else's pockets, not yours, 
or to lure you into a sales seminar and should be certainly put in the bin with the rest of the comics. Final conclusion for newsletters is... You are fake news. Without a doubt. Okay, the next mistake we have here today is choosing the wrong advisor. Or in the case I recently came across, finding two wrong advisors. Wow, two's better than one, I guess. In this situation, a couple with newfound wealth from the sale of the farm engaged two separate advisors, thinking they should diversify. Aha! Well, after taking a look at their overall position, it was quite different from what they had first wanted. I have to ask you this question though, would you hire two architects without sharing what each other was planning to do to design you a house? Would you really honestly do that? No, of course not. That would be just plain dumb. Well, as you can imagine, the outcome for these poor people was disastrous. The overall position was poorly diversified and nothing like what the clients envisaged or certainly needed. In other words, the left hand didn't know what the right hand was up to and the clients didn't know what they didn't know. Now in the coming weeks, new legislation kicks in known as the Financial Services Legislation Amendment Act. Wow, what a mouthful. Financial Services Legislation Amendment Act. With advisors who work with retail clients required to operate under a licence held under a FAP, that's F for Freddy, AP, or Financial Advice Provider, as it's known. Now, FAPS is a licensed entity, such as a financial advice business or a bank, as two examples. Now, under FAPS, there will be two types of advisors. First, a nominated representative. They are licensed under a FAP, but are limited to the product providers and products of the FAP only. Now, a good example of that would be a bank. The second is known as a financial advisor. They are also licensed under a FAP, but are not limited to a FAP product or providers um, at all. So there's no limitations there. Now, I personally prefer the financial advisor option, which will be me, um, and no limitations uh, given for providers or products at all on those advisors. This replaces the current registered and authorised financial advisors regime. Advisors will initially be issued under a transitional licence and then issued a full licence um, in the coming two years. This ultimately is a good thing for the public, which hopefully simplifies how advisors operate and will also lift the education standards of the industry. I think that's a great thing, right? Right now, advisors known as rested advisors only have to fog a mirror to qualify. To be issued with a full licence, advisors will have to reach a minimum education standard of level five or the equivalent for nominated representatives. This brings our minimum education standards up to Australia's RG146 minimum standard that has been in place for some years. So that's a great thing for New Zealand. So in summary, do seek advice first of all. Yes, it's really important. Choose wisely when picking your advisor as a bad one 
can be worse than not having one at all. Ensure they have appropriate levels of industry education, not just the minimum. That they can explain their investment proposition easily and you feel comfortable with that. You know, what is it that they do with investment? Explain within a few few uh, paragraphs um, what they do and how they do it. Uh, make sure that you understand how they get paid and by whom. As I've previously said, follow the money. If they are receiving commissions, they are not independent of providers. And get everything in writing. Really important. And that should be done because it's certainly under the new legislation, that's for sure. So that sums it up today. The two mistakes being choosing the wrong advisor and following the hot tips of newsletters in marketing through uh, emails. Keep an eye on those. Keep away from them. Choose a good advisor and be happy. Thank you very much. Please note that this show is simply a discussion platform and should not be taken as advice. A disclosure statement is available and is free of charge from my website. Oh, 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 oh,